say, and I don't always feel like wrapping them in jokes in order to get them across. Um, I've been told before, like in Santa Cruz, that you're funny when you want to be. And when I don't want to be funny, a storytelling set is great because I don't have to be. Right. Yeah. You don't have to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be. And then uh, it, there's a lot of pressure off of you. You know, that's a, that, that's a lot of pressure off. It is. Where you have to be funny and you have to come up with a joke and you have to uh, yeah. make sure everyone understands the premise or, you know, everything is translated before that could hit, you know? Exactly. So the storytelling, I like storytelling. It's fun. I did your storytelling show in uh, Morgan Hill. That's right. Yeah. And we had a good time there. Um, I did a Burning Tale before. It's not around no more. It was hosted by Mighty Mike McGee. Yeah, I did that one too. Yeah, the yeah. Poet Laureate of Santa Clara County. Yeah. yeah. And, uh,. Uh, it's cool and sometimes i don't care sometimes i go to an open mic and i'm just gonna do a story even if there's no funny things mm-hmm. you know sometimes i just want to talk about something yeah it reminded me of something you know i don't do it generally at showcases but open mics oh hell yeah especially at a mixed mic yeah mixed mic especially all right welcome to razor's alley uh i'm here today and uh producer alex torres Mui will be running the show we will be back shortly and i do hope you uh, enjoy the music before uh see you in a few minutes up another story show coming up or what yeah i'm gonna produce more i got one here at mutiny radio that's coming up next month it's saturday march 17th uh, 8 to 10 p.m. It's part of our Friends of Mutiny series where we fundraise to keep the station afloat. And so Pam does not have to dip into her savings. <laughs> oh, that's good. You help out. You it is. Yeah. And we bring in some good money and people there. You can listen to the Friends of Mutiny as a podcast on Apple. Um, it's available now. And uh, lots of different shows that different people have produced are on there. Well, at Racers Alley, you're going to have a couple of difficulties here with our music, so we're going to listen to some shitty commercials until we get back. Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to that show. I got a really great lineup. Julie Solar, like I mentioned, from Story Slime Oakland is going to be on there. And uh, I've known her for a couple of years. She, she's really encouraged me, and she's helped me out. And uh, one time I even won like uh, $50... All right. Now we're done with the commercials. They may not be shitty, but I just don't like commercials in general. So uh, enjoy some Soundgarden, and I'll be right back. Cheers, guys. Sure. 
Welcome to Mutiny Radio. We had some typical uh, <laughs> technical difficulties here for a second. And uh, now we are officially on the air at 6.07 p.m. So let me take a breather here while I get my shit together. And I hope you enjoy some sound garden. I'll uh, get back to you shortly. Right on, right on. And uh, sorry about the difficulties. It's uh, Alex has a problem with computers and anything like technological. Yar, yar. All right. We'll be right back, fellas. Take care.
welcome back to Racers Alley. Uh, today, actually, uh, producer Alex will be here questioning, interesting, uh, answering questions and asking questions. Uh, today, actually, uh, no guests will be here except for racer Alex, who's actually an Island Man racer. And, you know, it's, it's nice to hear someone's history about how they went so far, and uh, especially as a privateer, and what they had to do as they were a boy. I imagine uh, all of you at one point had to start somewhere and uh what's neat about this is uh he's a privateer so it's like uh he never had any backing anything like that so uh he'll be back shortly and again sorry for the break since i'm here alone we'll be back with racer alex in a couple of minutes I gotta say my stool was stolen a long time ago by motorcycles so uh racer alex uh good to have you here how you doing thanks for having me here i mean it's a pleasure to be back for the second time and you know uh we just started with the story so it's it's nice to be here to be able to kind of continue on with what you're doing well, thanks, Racer. Uh, so, anyhow, uh, today we're just going to be a one-on-one, just chilling out by the fire, so to speak. And uh, last time, uh, not to be redundant, uh, you talked, uh, you mentioned how you started riding uh, originally in a DT-175, and uh, your Uncle Ed taught you how to ride that. Uh, he had bought a XT-500, and this was the ages of the 70s, people. So that would be like the late 78, 79. Am I, am I, am I wrong? No, actually, uh, I got my first bikes back then, uh, my bike back then, and interestingly enough, uh, at the time, uh, my mom was kind of, ex- you know, uh, suspecting that I was taking the bike out of the garage, so interestingly, uh, kind of in the gas crunch age that uh, the new people don't know about here in America, uh, there was a time in the 70s where if you had a certain number in your license plate, that's when you could buy gas. The uh, moped came in back then, and uh, for, I guess, whatever you put into a savings account, they ended up giving you a free moped, and my ma came home one day, and she goes, here, you got a moped, and I looked at it and going, grand, thank you very much, you know, I was doing paper outs back then, but I mean, compared to a DT-175, a moped's kind of like sissy, right? 
And also that actually really, really, oh boy, oh boy. I mean, I crashed really hard on that thing with them pedals. So, I mean, uh, it was nice to have that. And it was a great gift. And she was being thoughtful, trying to make me not get hurt being on a motorcycle, which ended up actually quite the opposite. So, uh, Alex, that means you were a boy back then. Uh, what about uh, licenses and stuff? I mean, uh, I believe in our last conversation you mentioned that uh, you did have some run-ins with the law. Well, I mean, uh, the fact of the matter, I mean, uh, I was a kid and I was doing paper routes. So, I mean, uh, in a sense, you could, uh, well, long story short, when I went to court and met the judge, I actually delivered his paper. So, I mean, he couldn't give me so much shit as like, I'm like uh, going out doing burnouts and, you know, uh, raising hell, which I did anyway. But uh, he made me write essays. So what you're saying is uh, uh, you went into court and uh, the judge actually um, appreciated your situation, so to speak. And rather than actually taking your license away at 16 or doing all the other things that courts do, he just had you write an essay. Well, actually twice. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so actually, let's just move on from here. I mean, you had a good time in your youth riding motorcycles. Your uncle taught you how to ride. Oh, boy. Let me just say something about that. One of the best times I ever had in my life, my uncle led, you know, he's, he was always, you know, uh, I still do. I mean, I look up to him. He's a Porsche mechanic nowadays and uh, or actually all the European hot cars. And um one day, I was, boy, I don't remember how, it was, I was very young, uh, conquered Yamaha days, and uh, he took it, he goes like, Alex, you know, I was like, I'm going to, back then, there was a cycle gear, right? And uh, I would say this must be, this must have been, uh, hmm, conquered, Creek. I'm thinking the early 80s, and um, like, like 1980 or 81 is what I'm thinking, but I remember us going down to the motor shop, uh, motorcycle shop in Pleasant Hill. At the time, I lived in Danville in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. And so it must have been Pleasant Hill. We went, and uh, I was just scared shitless being on the back of that DT-175. He's going to be, and, you know, I was like, we're doing 50 or something. And, yeah, as a kid, just being a kid, you know, I was like, it was quite an adventurous ride. And you didn't have to have motorcycle helmets back then. It was a, it was a free land in that way. And uh, I remember my reward was buying some yellow uh, uh, motocross uh, uh, gloves, I believe it was. But anyhow, uh, yeah, we had a great time, and uh, I, I learned from there, and uh, that was my early youth on a, on a motorcycle, and uh, mopeds, a whole different story. Interesting, Alex. So that sounds like a great time. Your un uncle sounds like a great man. Well, he is. I mean, right now, currently, he actually owns uh, the VMAX that he bought in 1985, as well as, you know, one of them new, uh, uh, who, who, are, who are no longer made, the Polaris. And it's a really nice uh, 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 street bike. And as far as bikes back in the day, I would buy a Polaris over a Harley, uh, just straight up. But uh, right now, uh, he's having a good time on those. I'm, ha I'm happy for him and uh, hope to see him riding soon. Uh, anyhow, uh, let's move on. Okay, Alex, uh, so this is like the early 90s. You had the 175, and uh, and like we were mentioning earlier, we're kind of getting redundant. And as I recall, you ended up getting your first bike in uh, 90, uh, 87, I believe. 
Yeah, that was a Yamaha Phaser, and I, I mentioned before it was like uh, first time I went on it. It was a it was a rocket five valve seven seven hundred cc uh, Yamaha Genesis motor, and um, if you haven't heard about those back in the day, they they they, they were super fast, and uh, it surprised the hell out of me. So uh, let's get on with the story from our last interview. Uh, so you got your Phaser, and now this would be what year? I'm looking at, uh, actually, um, hmm, that would be uh, 1987, and uh, I was living with a bunch of folks, you know, over in uh, uh, San Ramon at the time, you know, you get out of high school, you live with your best buddies, you know, and uh, got a bunch of posters in the garage, that type of thing, and we just filled it up with bikes as well, and uh, the whole clan rode, uh, we were called the Hell Rats back then, heh. <laughs> Really? The hell rats? Well, you're young, dude, so <laughs> you got to go with the flow. Right on. So anyways, uh, so you're the hell rats and uh, all your friends got bikes and you ended up getting a bike. And like uh, we mentioned in the last show, we, how you got it was a friend asked you to test ride one and then you got the, the bug again. Yeah, I guess. I, 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 yeah, you can totally say that. All right. Well, uh, so here we are. And basically, uh, I'm very curious about how, you know, a regular Joe like yourself ended up uh, at the Isle of Man TT and Manx GP. I mean, um, I'd love to hear the tale. Well, you know, I mean, uh, the interview so far is basically covering a lot of territory as far as, uh, you know, my riding times and, uh, and, the, and the bikes I had at the time. Uh, so I, 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 got, I got the phaser and back in the day, the hell rats, we originally started doing short trips and they got longer, they got longer and the longer they got, the more experience we got. And as anything, you know, um, time shortened, it only took us two hours to get somewhere instead of, you know, four, that type of thing, less smoke breaks, all that. Yeah, I understand. Uh, even today, you know, when you ride with groups, uh, certain people like breaks, certain don't. That's kind of a difficult thing when you ride with a lot of people. Yeah, it is. So anyhow, um, the Hell Rats would be riding. Uh, Mines Road was our road. And uh, you mentioned earlier um, how I became a TT racer. And uh, I've raced the Isle of Man TT uh, on a, uh, a 1000 in the Mains GP on a 600 Superbike. And then uh, Argentina, actually, I raced a 600 uh, stock bike as well. Interesting. We'll get back to Argentina later. And, uh, hmm, very interesting. So, um, all right. So let's, let's go. Uh, so you're, you're sitting there and you're riding a bike on Mines Road with all your pals. Yeah. What, uh, what, what, what happened was, um, uh, you know, every day we just go for a, for a general ride, you know, it was, it was about fun. There, there had nothing to do with about racing. Racing never even gotten in my mind. I wanted saddlebags as long as we didn't have a helmet or, or shades. Interesting. So, uh, at the time we were, well, we read city bike and we also, you know, watched videos every now and then. And, uh, all of a sudden, you know, my pal, uh, Tommy, Tommy Burke, Thomas Granville Burke, uh, the third, um, 
one day we're just sitting in the back well we ended up calling it the rat cave <laughs> but anyways we're sitting in the cave and uh you used to have these things called video cassettes that you put in a machine called a vhs for my listeners who don't understand that and it's and it's a tape type of format and you plug it in and you watch it on your television which is a unit with tubes so anyhow um he puts on this race one day called the uh isle of man so before then you've never heard of it uh no no not really um we read city bike here and there but uh, really my mind was just on having fun interesting um that being said uh so uh you guys all rode you had good times and your best friend is up coming in with a tape yeah um so we're there one night you know hitting rips and stuff and uh of a bong uh with marijuana anyways uh he says, hey, Hooks, you know, you're really fast on your bike, and you never thought about racing, that type of thing. And I go, no. And he goes, well, check this out. You know, it's like mine's road, mine's, mine's road but different. So I go, huh, hmm. So he put this uh, table on of, uh, of a race over there at the Isle of Man, and I, I really didn't understand what I was looking at. However, I just saw a bunch of guys on motorcycles going as fast as they could through country roads. So, um, in a sense, I was immediately hooked since we always did Mines Road, and I, I, I really love that type of thing. Um, and from there, uh, uh, I guess you could say a seed was planted. Wow, so uh, it just came out of the blue. It was never a thing that you wanted to do. No, like I mentioned in the last uh, last time I was here, I mentioned all I wanted to do was be a sailor. You know, I mean, uh, all I wanted to do is leave and enjoy the world. But uh, it's funny how life takes a, a turn. I totally understand that, dude. I totally do. I mean, here I am sitting uh, in a mutiny radio, doing a radio show with a person who actually doesn't exist in a weird sense. Don't bring that up, dude. Anyways, we're all good. Yes, we are. So uh, why don't we take a break for a second, and then we're going to get into the next chapter of your life where uh, you started racing. Yeah, that would be cool, actually. Uh, there's one bike in between, but, I mean, uh, that bike more than anything taught me would crash, which was a VFR 700. I mean, I, it looked really fast, and it looked really sporty, but in the end, when I was doing a mines road and stuff, I crashed the shit out of that bike and got hit by a car. Uh, the car being hit by the car was actually the first one, and then I just decided after it was scratched to start going fast on it, and it just really, interestingly enough, it wasn't fast as the Yamaha phaser in a sense of handling and uh, getting out of trouble. Oh, interesting. So uh, that being said, we'll skip the VFR stories, and uh, which I imagine there are. And when we come back from our break, let's talk about the Isle of Man and getting to there. And um, I guess uh, go from there. All right, guys, uh, before we leave, uh, I'd love to thank Pamtastic at Mutiny Radio for having me here. And I love the studio as well as Subculture Racing. I mean, they're they're out there right now. Wade Boyd is out there racing a Moto Guzzi at Miller Motorsports Park, which is the reason he ain't here. And he's uh, running with the Armor Group. So uh, 
great for you guys having him out there and uh thank you for all the turn worker help and everything involved i'll be back to see you shortly well actually you'll be back and i'll be back and hopefully we'll listen to each other cheers
right, welcome back to Racers Alley, and uh, I'm the producer here, Alex, and uh, we have actually, interesting enough tonight, uh, Racer Alex here again for the second time, and we've been going over his story. Uh, last time we uh, had a little interview, we talked about the beginning, and right now we're talking about, uh, I guess, uh, what are we going at? Well, before the break, Alex, you wanted to start uh, with my racing career, and uh, that means, uh, holy moly, um, hmm, how to, how to do this, uh, in uh, 1990, uh, my friend Tommy, who decided that I would be good as a racer, um, we were doing Mines Road a lot. I mean, we were doing it like seriously four to five days a week. I mean, we had the time to do it. And back then, the roads were clear. I mean, it, w it was our own personal racetrack. Uh like Copina, remember boys? Anyways, uh, they, those boys in Argentina and Copina understand what I'm saying. I mean, Mines Road is like that over there. And uh, when I raced in Argentina, I mean, the Copina track, I mean, it's just a place up in the mountains, but it's so, so special. And um, so that that was Mines Road's to with Tommy and myself and the rest of the Hellrats for some time. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, let's see here. Um, so how, what, what happened? Uh, you and Tommy were going to uh, train at uh, Mines Road, and uh, you saw the video of the TT, and this is the 90s. So, um, yeah, go on. Well, um, hmm. there was a the thing called a... a Back then, track days were very, very rare, and uh, Keith Code was the man back in the day. He had a whole bunch of, uh, at the time, 1990 ZX6s, the ones with 100 horsepower. It was a big fucking deal. So, uh, wow, uh, you got to race on a track, especially with a 100 horsepower bike? Well, um, yeah, the deal was, uh, interestingly enough, uh, it was at Laguna Seca, which I've never been to and haven't been to since. Uh, I can tell you stories of how many of my friends have been there, but I've, I haven't been to, uh, been there uh, on a motorcycle since. And uh, so, yeah, we, we took a class, and I believe back then it was really expensive at $225. Yo. So we end up going on a Friday, and... Uh, <laughs> We ended up at Seaside, had a hotel. Uh, again, back there, there was no motorcycle rules. I mean, as far as helmet laws and stuff. And, you know, back in the GP days, Monterey was a big deal. And you'd ride through the tunnel with no helmet, honking your horns. You go down to the, you know, the, the, the area, the, the main street, and there'd be hundreds of motorcycles. So we're there on a different time, and uh, we know the area. And uh, got the hotel. Next day, we're at the track. So this is the first time you've actually, um, this is your first step, I guess I could say. Yeah, I mean, um, they promised leathers and they, you know, helmet and race bike and track and stuff. And as anyone who's ever been on the track for the first time, I mean, even nowadays on a, on a school, I mean, the excitement, I imagine, is like being a, a, a jet fighter or something, you know, or being in the back of a jet fighter, you know, I mean, it's, it's super cool. I understand that. I mean, uh, totally. So, uh, how was it? 
Well, actually, uh, we got on the course. I mean, they, they had a, um, to make this story a little shorter, but they had a class thing in the morning and they had their certain, um, uh, philosophy on racing i guess you could say uh, i've read his books same with uh you know uh nick einich's book i mean when you when you when you're a younger racer you read everything you get your hands on i mean there's barely any videotapes back when we were younger i mean there's there, there isn't a lot out there except for posters you know so um yeah so i read the books and he had his philosophy uh, about certain ways to do corner entry and such um and being the first time on the course, I mean, we read it like gospel. Wow. So uh, everyone's feeling like a good jet fighter pilot when they go in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, even to this day, I mean, uh, you ever get a bunch of guys in leathers sitting in, a, in, a, in an area, with the exception of San Francisco certain pubs, um, they usually concentrate on going around a track, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting how all of a sudden, you know, everyone's, you know, um, how do you say it? Just serious, you know, I mean, they're, they're there for a reason. And if you're there, there, if you got into that level, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to be there. You better have your shit together, you know. Awesome. So how was the course? Well, um, never been on a track before even getting off the pit lane was well, holy moly it was it was really outstanding i mean uh the the deep um how do you say uh um hmm. it was just a sensory overload you know as a new person never being on the track you can imagine the 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 wideness of the course the lack of any uh, lines, uh, you're just basically at a loss and, uh, luckily, you know, they, 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 um, cut us off into groups of like six to eight. So we can always follow a, uh, a, a guide. And then, and, and, as the day got along, basically he taught us how to yar yar, do this thing, do this thing. It's like being in a certain martial arts course, uh, and we did it. My my pal Tommy actually got kicked out because well, he got reprimanded, not kicked out. I take that back completely. Um, he got into a little hot going down the corkscrew and went off the track a little. Then they all yelled at him. And by the way, also those ZX6s were totally fucking throttled, meaning that they had a governor on them. There was no way they put them out there with 100 horsepower. Felt like a goddamn 500 EX. But uh, that's neither here nor there because we, we had a great time with Keith Code and it was a great weekend. When we came back home, our plan was to join the AFM. Wow, <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, uh, so uh, next next thing would be actually to start planning to go racing, right? Yeah, uh, like I said, this was 2000 and uh, started to, well, basically we were going to get bikes and, and, and race in 2001. Um but uh, just like me with the sailboat, you know, a few years earlier, you know, life always takes a turn and sometimes it really kicks you in the ass, you know, and, and plans don't ever go the way you, you, you think they will. What do you mean? Uh, seems like you had everything together and uh, you guys had a plan. Yeah, well, uh, you know, like I was mentioning, we did... Uh, 
mines road uh four days a week and uh one day i just couldn't make it there on a thursday i believe and uh my best pal tommy uh died out there and uh that really changed uh, a lot of things in, in in so many different ways i mean um we all lose people and this was like uh uh well he's a pal his best friend uh his pal and uh you know i've lost people before that and such and uh this was just one of those times and uh it just set a whole different change of events to go on well i'm sorry to hear that um however you know uh wow uh so let's get back to that in a second and uh let's have a little break here and uh go from there and uh, i hope you all are enjoying the story from here on in um let's talk about what it took in the 90s to get there yeah that'd be nice i could use a break because uh you know the bathroom's right over there i'll see you guys shortly all right, guys, enjoy us, uh, whoever we have on the radio. Yeah. 
righty, welcome back to Racer Alley. Uh, I'm your host here, Alex Torres, and uh, we got Racer Alex here as our guest. Uh, we're going through uh, what it took a man to get to the Isle of Man. Uh, it's kind of like over times and years. And uh, I want to thank Beat the Radio for having us here, as well as Subculture Racing and a couple of other sponsors here. I mean, we always have Moto Tire Guy to take care of us when we need tires and uh Parts are Tokyo Moto. I mean, that's a place where you can actually get a bike in and out in a day. Holy moly. And if you need to get your bike there, we also have CC Rider Toe and Cycle Toe. Cycle Toe's over in the East Bay. CC's right here in San Francisco. And if you need a you know, a bike getting there now, those are the boys to call. Yar. All right. So uh, as far as getting a place to have a beer... Always love Benders and uh, Johnny over there and uh, all our boys and girls and Molotovs, of course. One of my favorite places to go read a book. Yar. All right. Those are some of our sponsors. And I wish you would all go see them because they're the coolest people in the world. And a lot of times you'll meet people who actually own a motorcycle and ridden a motorcycle, which is actually bitching. All right, so Alex, you know, I mean, this last thing, I mean, uh, we were mentioning Tommy for a second. I, I, I was kind of sad, and I saw you over there just kind of staring into space for a second. Yeah, well, um, let me say something. You know, uh, Tommy and I rode, and we rode a lot of hours together. I mean, a shit ton. And we did Mines Road every day. And Mines Road, you go from the bottom to the junction. It's, I believe it's like 50 miles. And, and uh, we knew every goddamn turn of that course. And uh, it was it was a great time. Uh, uh, we go to the junction back then when the junction was really a shithole. You have no idea. You are, you are. And uh, they never had the air conditioning on and everything else in between. But the, the junction is a whole different story uh, someday that we'll talk about in a different uh, different story. Anyway, so let's just talk it here. Um, yeah, so Tommy and I trained. We trained to be racers, and we ended up going to Keith Code. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, for, unfortunately, um, life gets in the way, and he, he, he died at the end of Mines Road. He was almost done, got a tank slapper, hit a hit a, hit the side of the mountain and that was pretty much it uh, a couple of the rats were with him and uh from there on um, a different chapter in life came along uh so uh you know uh long story short uh, again um i decided to t be a racer um it's not something that i ever thought i would be it's just something that happened you know you walk into so to speak um didn't want him to die in vain and uh, that 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 place the isle of man sure looked pretty neat um i didn't know anything about it uh in a sense uh, and i just started racing so what does that mean uh, you just started racing um what what, how, what was the progression well um i guess you could say i started uh first thing uh finding a race bike you know obviously i figured the uh vfr was a bad one and uh ended up uh doing a little research and the uh, fcr 400 was my choice um i didn't have the knowledge and i've heard about the two stroke 250s but uh, i've always been a, a very uh, poor privateer so to speak and the idea of all the maintenance yet however um 
the benefits of that, knowing the knowledge, I mean, made you win races, I ended up going with a four-stroke instead of the two-stroke 250. Um, so this is 1991, I would say. Uh, ended up uh, getting the 400. Um, <laughs> joined the AFM and you know as usual you all start out that way and uh, did the first time and uh, literally at uh, boy just did the knee rider school and my bikes blew in oil everywhere <laughs> you gotta be kidding me no it was really spewing oil Jesus Christ well you had the problem back then in the day right yeah but I mean uh, it's a newbie thing uh holy moly so what what exactly happened i mean did you finish the finish i mean did you go out what yeah last thing you want to do is be on the first day on the track and put oil all right well the deal is back then you didn't have to have lower belly pans which was interesting but um me being a newbie i ended up uh, uh i guess you could say cutting off a hose for the crankcase vent overflow or something so the upper moons blew out blah 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 uh one of my dear friends dear dear friends anton lovett and he's out there right now racing as well and uh actually uh, cars and uh so i'm all uh panicked calling i can't finish the race and it's like brand new i gotta go tomorrow Took the bike home in the back of the Toyota, right? What happens? The Toyota, the bike actually falls over because I'm a newbie and tied it down wrong, and proceeds to actually slide out the back of the truck. You gotta be fucking kidding me! No way, dude. Yeah, dude, it was like fucking crazy. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching the mirror, and uh, you know, it's like clunk, 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 boom, and I was like, holy fuck! <laughs> shit no really no fucking shit really really dude so i see the bike actually go towards the end of the bed and stop and like oh what the fuck happened well actually the one tie down kept the bike from actually going off the end of the fucking truck and it was the only thing that kept that thing from going ka-chung, 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 and maybe causing another accident coming back there it was like it was like my first day my first school my first initiation and i totally failed <laughs> holy moly man it was like talk about drama and then you had to get anton and stuff there and it was like holy moly you're out of time well the deal was hey, anton's a great guy and and he helped me out so many times back then and uh you know there's there's people out there you I, i'm sure you can all name them you know that, that they'll just bend over backwards to be the best of the best and uh choose you anton <laughs> i gotta go come by and shake your hand one day but anyhow um yes we got back in and the next day i, I did my first uh uh how do you say uh novice race on the fcr 400 it was a 1989 uh red uh interestingly red powder coat frame and white bike and uh with yellow plates holy moly so you were able to actually go out there and so um how you know i imagine everyone has the the, the same story for the first season i mean it's just trying to get by and sort things out well the deal is i mean yeah i mean uh 
yeah, you got to learn how to sort things out. And uh, the first year on any bike, I'm sure, is just R&D and just getting things sorted. I mean, it takes time. And, you know, unless, well, nowadays you can actually go do all the laps you want if you got all the money you have. But back then, there was only Sears Point and Willow Springs. And, there were, you know, there was barely any track day. So when you went out, you went out. So you, if you're lucky, you had like 18 laps, 25 laps for the weekend. And in between then, you raced and actually got to sort your bike. It's not like today where you can, if you have all the money in the world, you can actually, you know, do whatever you want, you know. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, limited time, limited bikes. Uh, I imagine that slowed everything down. Well, you know, um, yeah, because uh, back then there was only, I joined the AFM, so I, I did that for the first couple of years, uh, had my issues. Uh, WSMC, I think I did after the second or third year, which was neat because it was a whole different track out there in the Mojave, Willow Springs uh, Raceway, and which taught you a whole different discipline and, <laughs> and crazy as a different ways. I can, I can have a whole story about Willow Springs. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, we'll do that later. Um, so you're at Willow and you're at Sears Point, and so where you're at now? It's like second year racing, '93. Well, yeah, um, I was there '93. Uh, I ended up getting a job over at Dublin Kawasaki Honda Yamaha with a with a great great man, Doug Meyer. Uh, he 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 built Muzzy Motors and did the Bonnevilles and even raced sprint cars. Uh, he was a great boss. I was there with him for two years, and uh, uh, that's where I met uh, Chucky Sorensen, who was, I believe, at the show not too long ago. Yeah, Chucky was just here, and it, it's going to be great to have him back in two weeks. We'd love to have you here as well. We're going to get a bunch of TT racers together and uh, and uh, have a have a great conversation. Tom Montana will be here. Wade Boyd will be here. It'll be a great show. We're going to have Sergio Galvan. We're going to have all the top racers here for that show in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Boy, I'd love to be there. All right, I'll, I'll put it on my calendar. So, anyways, I was talking about um, here where I'm at Dublin Kawasaki Yamaha, Honda Yamaha, and I met Chuck. And he, you know, little did I know, he he's until this day he's still a badass, and he was a super badass back then. And he kind of took me under his wing in a certain sense to kind of guide me in the right directions. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? I mean, uh, <laughs> what does that mean, actually? Well, I mean, um, one of the first things he did was he gave me a clipboard with this, uh, to this day. Uh, uh, it has, a, a, I guess, a, a pit notations, tire pressures, notes, uh, each lap time. It's, it's a very, uh, each lap, you fill that out once you're done. And then you can go on to the next, and uh, that was one of the best things, and uh, one of his, his one of his things, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from him was Alex. You know, uh, always draw the track, and I'd always be sitting at a pub or something, and I'd be sitting there, and I believe Chad has all my books right now, and I draw each turn and then the little ripples and the angle and everything and the more you're able to do that the more you're able to like see that in your mind so when you're going through that you're already through it and uh, you know where to go and you know what to expect when things are moving around coming out in that um 
yeah it was really neat and um i've used it till you know i've, I've always used that uh I, I didn't do that to Isle of man because uh <laughs> i really didn't know where the hell i was going but um yeah um chucky gave me a lot of good good advice uh, i was lucky to get his advice between uh uh you know in the 90s when dublin kawasaki honda kawasaki was in business they they did end up shutting down but uh one of my favorite stories about chuck is uh alex you just got on this bike or yard it was kind of a stock fcr 400 but i was kind of coming in last in over at willow springs so he goes alex yeah chuck it was like don't come in if you break going into turn one. What do you mean, dude? It is like, sure enough, it was like, he goes, you should be able to go all the way into turn one at Willow Springs to the left, just roving in. Just hold it wide open and throw it in. And of course he was right, because the stock FCR 400 back then was probably doing a, a but maybe at 120, right? So, yar yar, you know, that was one of the things is like I went out there and sure enough, it was like, I can't go back if I touch these brakes. And sure enough, went in and got faster. And from there, he gave me a, a lot of advice over a couple of years as, as far as just being a racer. And he had his whole hands, you know, he, he's, his hands were full being an AMA racer. And it was really, really kind of him to help me out. Alex, that's that that's actually pretty cool. I mean, um, and uh, yeah, I, I imagine that uh, inspired you to keep going, especially after tough times. Well, that's true. I mean, um, I had a lot of time off for crashes, uh, rebuilding motors. I mean, you know, uh, it took me. Let's see, maybe. Uh, 12, 13, 14 years to get to the aisle. Let's see exactly. Maybe 13 years to get there, yeah. You know, but there's a lot of time that I was sitting there idle, and uh, there's nothing worse than that, especially, you know, you get out of shape, and uh, just life goes on. Yeah, uh, as a privateer, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that more than once. And, um, yeah, uh, so what happened in the 90s? Well, I, I, on and off, um, my motor blew up, uh, crashed, blah, 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 endurance races. Um, near the mid-90s, uh, I ended up uh, getting a one-over motor, a really nice motor. A I was really set up. You know, all of a sudden, I was fit. I was, like, not worrying about anything. You know, I was, the pit was set up and everything else in between. So, I was able to just go out there and just race. And all of a sudden, I found myself on the front row and uh, just went from there. I mean, I, I had a 90, 1990 FCR 400. And the poor bike been through so much over the years. And, uh, I ended up on the front row, primer gray paint and everything else, and uh, the top three boys next to me were like, yar yar, the best of the best, and um, I had a bike that I rode to work every day, so it's like I couldn't, I couldn't sacrifice everything for racing, you know, I mean, especially then, you know, back then, maybe once or twice a month, I mean, I had to go to work and shit, so uh, ended up, uh, all of a sudden, I'm on the front row. Wow. Uh, so on and off, you were able to get on, go do some track time, start feeling comfortable. And then from there, you were able to go out there and start racing proper. And 
all of a sudden you passed a certain barrier and i've read about this and heard about this before from pals i mean, all of a sudden you you get to the next level and when you do that you look ahead i mean you're you're in shape i mean all that type of thing and uh so there you are yeah, it was, it was a really good time, and uh, then I moved to San Francisco. Uh, that would be about, I guess, uh, hmm, 96, you know. Uh, here I am. I moved to San Francisco. I had my race bike and everything together, and uh, doing well. My program's going well, and uh, made a whole huge change in my life. Holy moly. So why don't we do this? Let's take a break for a second, and let's carry on with the, with the tale. I love that dude you know i'm having a good time hanging out and i thought i was gonna leave but uh i'll hang with you guys well there's only one of us here well actually technically two all right let's just go on 